0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Hi, everyone. Harvey Asher, sexaholic. Um, Been sexually sober 37 years and 11 months. Uh, Let me take my sweater off here. Um, I've been given it a lot of thought uh, on why am I doing so much music on these workshops. By the way, I don't talk for essay. This is a workshop. It's not an essay meeting. It's a workshop on the steps and traditions. But why am I using music? I've never done this before, basically. And I realized the other day how useless words are. If words work, There'd be hardly anyone who ever relapses. We tell you what to do, you do it. <laughs> and there would be in utopia, nirvana. Words are basically useless. We need them. But first of all, we don't think in words. We think in pictures. That's why you could go anywhere in the world and there are these universal signs. And wherever you are, you know what that sign means. Because they're pictures. With lust, it's not words, it's the pictures in our head. And we're used to words, God, faith, love, freedom, pleasure, happiness, (laughs) trust. Words, empty words. Why are they empty words? And we're going to do more about this next week for the men's and the the traditions. Because we're taught what those words mean and who are we taught by other people who had taught what those words meant <laughs> and their words and the more sobriety I'm getting the more awareness I personally am getting the more I realize that my words can't help anybody. First of all, you're not hearing what I'm saying anyway. You're hearing what your brain filters you to hear. I know this. I get feedback from some of these meetings about things I've said. (laughs) It's wild what you hear. It's like the telephone game when we were children. It starts on one end. By the time it gets to the other side of the room, it's a totally different message. And this is all going to fit in to the sixth, seventh tradition and step because it's about humility, both the traditions and the step six, seven, six, seven. It's basically about humility. And why? Why is it showing up in these six and seven step in tradition? So first I'm going to show you a picture. Daniel, do you have that picture of the Okay, look at that guy or gal, if you want. Look how hard he's working. Did step one, step two, three, four, five. Look what happened. We actually believe that once we make all these discoveries about ourselves, we could change. The sixth and seventh step and traditions that we'll see is the epitome, the zenith of saying, it doesn't matter what you do, you can't make yourself change. Step one is the only absolute step. You're either an addict or you're not. You either believe you're allergic to lust 100%, absolutely, or you're not. And time will tell if you accept step one or you don't. Well, when it comes to steps six and seven in the traditions, it knocks everything out from under us. It says no matter what you know about yourself, you can't make you change. If you could, you wouldn't be here to begin with at this meeting. it says we became entirely ready for it to be removed. And then it says we humbly asked for it to be removed. Doesn't actually even say it's ever removed. You talk about character defects, I was teasing, I was doing a talk this morning with another group, with a uh, essay group. And I said, look at my greed. I'm gonna have a workshop this afternoon. And here I am talking this morning. There's never enough. I was sick for weeks with COVID, and I still came here to talk. (laughs) Greed. Delusion. (laughs) So let's do what I like to do. First is mention about the tradition. But before we do this, And get to the tradition six and seven, which is really going right into the heart of step six and seven. Before, I need some music because we are climbing this mountain. Unbelievable journey climbing a mountain. And Daniel, would you play that please? I'm long gone to the big meeting in the sky. <laughs> People will say, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> With this music. <laughs> this following our mountain climbing. What is the climb? It's to love ourselves. A vision for you where it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, our step journey and tradition journey is giving us this wonderful message. We're sick people getting well. We didn't make ourselves do this. We were born with the susceptibility of being allergic to lust. And that when all is said and done, ultimately, we begin to realize that we just do our steps, stay sober that day, and the love becomes quite obvious for ourselves and then for others. Tradition six says a group ought never endorse finance or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose, which is to help ourselves and others stay sober, in my opinion. What does it say? It says everything that's important to us money, property, prestige, non existent when you let go. When you let go, tradition seven says. Every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. We don't need money to stay sober today. We don't have to have wealth and fortune not to lust today. What do we do? How can a group survive without money? We're taught it's impossible. Can you imagine mosques and synagogues and cathedrals continuing without money? And we're told in this spiritual program that this is beyond money and prestige. It's letting go, trusting that if it works for a maniac like Harvey, it could work for me. So you get back to step six and seven, where it's saying, I'll never get rid of all of this, but I'm willing, I'm willing for you to take all of it. My sponsor would say over and over, hey, God, see this cancer on this shoulder? Remove it take this cancer away but see the cancer on this shoulder I'm not ready yet don't take it yet. man you'll be in tough crap. if you start picking and choosing the cancers you don't you want removed and not removed I have to be willing to have it all removed. and realize I can't make it removed. I cannot use the ego to get rid of my ego. I have to say I give up, God. You take it. I came in this program And I had spent so much money on putting lovers, in quotes, in apartments and buying clothes for guys, for Gap, you name it, that I ran out of money when I sobered up to send two of my four children to college. No money. I had to sell my house. I had to sell my car. One month, we didn't know how we'd get through the month. I had just, my disease just took it. And I was a good breadwinner financially. One day, we had a sculpture that fell down and it broke, and my teenage said, Son said, Dad, maybe we're insured, we'll have money for the month. And he was right, we got through that month through the insurance for this broken sculpture. Many of you are in complex situations. No matter how complex it feels, no matter how lost You feel you are. No money, no prestige, all kinds of problems. If you stay sober today, if you're willing to go to any length today, and you're willing not to be frightened, about our character defects, and to be able to say, thank you, God, you show them to me, but I can't make them go away. You take them. And by the way, over the years, I was ended up able to retire, live in a nice retirement senior center I needed my sponsor to say, Harvey, you got to sell your house. I needed my sponsor to help me find the house we could afford. I needed financial advisors over the years. I had to let go. So these are wonderful, wonderful steps towards humility. We will never be perfect. Once we are perfect, we no longer will have a God. This will be it. And it never worked before for us, did it? Because that's what the big book says. Basically, before you get God, you first have to know you're not it. How in the world does AA and SA exist? Some groups think they need large reserves. They need this and that. A group who keeps too much money will end up having arguments with each other. A group doesn't need money. Some basic reserves, something to send off to central office. If I stay sober today, all things are possible. So I want to play another song. I want to let you know that there's something so worthwhile in doing this impossible dream. So worthwhile. And Daniel, can you play our buddy Elton?
2: There's a place for us Somewhere, a place for us Peace and quiet and open air Wait for us somewhere Time for us. Someday, a time for us. Time together with time to spare, time to learn.
1: each other get there. We're getting there. We don't know where it is or what it is, but it's there. And we have each other. We're never alone again with this disease. (sighs) Since we've been children, we've been so alone, not knowing what's wrong with us. We never have to walk this alone again, as we did the first week when we played You Never Walk Alone. And what are we doing? As the song said, we're learning to forgive ourselves. We know God's forgiven us, or else we wouldn't be here. All this grace of God people talk about, my goodness. What greater grace could he give us than to tell us, hey, you got a illness, you have an addiction, let me take your hand and bring you to the medication that you need every single day. What a life. So I want to end this section by saying each of us is walking up this mountain. And we work hard at it. We do our first through five steps, but then comes the steps and the traditions that separate the adults from the children. Where we say, I'm doing the best I can. I give it to you. I give it to you today. Where does this differ from religion? Religion, for many of you all, And for me, let's say it's, oh, you do it and it's removed. It's removed. (laughs) You're born again. You never have to do it again. You're born again. Not us. We're born again each day. Just like with high blood pressure. If you got high blood pressure, you take your pills that day. But the next morning, you better start taking your pills again. (laughs) Or that blood pressure starts shooting up again. I'm living proof. God talks to me. Two ways through music and through you all. If I start hearing him in my head, <laughs> I'm in trouble again. <laughs> he gave me all kinds of permission when I was out there to do some real crazy crap. <laughs> Because my higher power does not live in here. It's in here and with you all. And through music. Each of us will have our own mountain to climb. No one could climb it for you. But without taking that first step, It's going to be hard getting to your sixth and seventh and the tradition of not worrying about your prestige, about money. None of you statistically will starve to death. It's a delusion. If I don't do this, I don't do this. I and my family will starve to death. Statistically, that is not a true statement. But it's a statement that keeps us maintaining the controlled delusion. And let me tell you again, that delusion was wiped right out of me two, three weeks ago. When I had like three shots and still got cold. If I think I'm in control of anything, I'm back playing God again. So let's end here with uh, some questions. Stop at 3.30 for people who want to go to sleep. And then we'll continue another half hour for questions after that if you want them uh daniel it's all yours
3: thanks so much harvey um so if you don't want to be on the recording uh this is being recorded you can send me the message in uh, a direct message or you can raise your hand in the app and while we're waiting for uh, and please remember to try and keep all the uh questions around the sixth and seventh step and the sixth and seventh tradition um so i had i had a question slash thoughts of talked about it a bit recently, Harvey, the uh, disproportionate amount of, I guess, artists slash musicians that we have in SA, that we have in addiction recovery generally, well, many of us are more talented or we're more moved by music. I don't know how much it's talked about. Do you have any thoughts on why that is, What, how that is?
1: Yeah. I think we're some of the most spiritual people I've ever met. We're some of the nuttiest people I've ever met, including me. But we have a disproportionate amount of people who are in the clergy, who are in ministers, rabbis, imams priests, social workers, physicians. We have a very spiritual group, but we have this thing in common. We have an allergy to lust that distorted our path. We are good and worthwhile human beings worthy of recovery today. Now, I could tell you that tomorrow I'll hire a rocket ship and we'll all fly to Mars and you'll believe me more That when I say to you, we are spiritual people, we are good and worthwhile human beings, because your programming is immediately going to say, I'm a lowlife, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm going to go to hell, God hates me, I'm going to be punished. The programming is so deep. And where did this programming come from? Parents, society, you name it. In our cultures, you could almost do anything. But if you do something sexual, oh my God, it just gets wild. That's our programming. And that's why it does say we had to let go of our old ideas. I am not bad getting good. I'm sick getting well. And why do I say this over and over? To brainwash you? Eh. These people come and go, no, to brainwash me. If I don't hear it over and over, that initial programming, those circuits are so deep they're impossible to erase. So I need new circuits that are louder than the old circuits, but the old circuits never get erased. And what are some of the old circuits? You need money, you need prestige, you need this, you need that. There are many people on these talks that their families, generations ago, lived through wars, lived through... Terribly difficult periods. And yet, you're here to talk about. Because ultimately, this is an unbelievable universe. Can you imagine While we're talking, millions of cells in our body are metabolizing automatically. Universes are going back and forth in the galaxies. Our hearts are pumping automatic. We're breathing and don't even know we're breathing. All out of our control. Wow. Wow. And hopefully when we get to the 12th step and the 12th tradition, which will dovetail in, you see these miracles and we are part of the miracles. Each of us are pioneers. We've been chosen to say someone who lived such a low life like Harvey, can make it. And someone like me could make it. And here, hold my hand. I'll show you how I did it. I did it because my sponsor showed me how he did it. Can you all imagine me without COVID? (laughs) What was the song we had last week? Give me the hook or the ovation. (laughs) I need the hook today to get me down here. (laughs) Uh, The joy of living is our theme. Let me give you this test question. I've been showing you this clown for weeks. (laughs) I put a money bet on if one person even of all the hundreds who have been coming has bought that clown, a clown, be unbelievable. Chances are Maybe not even one person bought it. My words don't mean crap. (laughs) But it sure helps me to keep laughing.
3: Next question. Go, Go ahead, Nora.
4: Thanks, Daniel. Hi, Harvey. Thank you so much for sharing today. Um, my question is uh, mainly about something you said. You were saying um, something about step one, that if I if I didn't do step 100%, then I can't go on um, doing uh, step six and seven and so on. Um, and you also said something about that time tells if I really accepted uh, my first step. Um, so I I'm, I'm on step six actually, but I'm in the meantime I'm more focused. My sponsor is trying to get me to focus on steps one, two, and three, um, and put off step six work. That's that is just how she's guiding me in the meantime, uh, and I'm trying to surrender and follow. So um, that that's mainly because I've technically or I seem to be um, chronically testing my limits lately. So my question is if um, Nora,
1: the- I'm going to interrupt you because of what term you use, that you're testing your limits. That could be a self- dishonesty. You are powerless. You can't stop doing it. You're not testing your limits. You're not sitting around saying, I'm going to test my limits all day. You are powerless. Without step one's absolutism, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're either allergic to lust or you're not. You're either powerless over lust or you're not. Your life is unmanageable or it's not. The other steps are, as Roy would call it, progressive victory. But you can't have progressive victory without step one. And step one is not a God step. It's a disease step. It doesn't mention God. Naturally, as the book says, God is everything and God's nothing. I happen to believe God is everything and God is nothing. This God is beyond anything we could comprehend. So to do step six. Before you've done step one, I wish you luck. But that's what so many people on this program do, and this is not a very successful program. I would imagine, I was listening to a talk by Chuck Chamberlain just this morning. You know when he was talking, <laughs> someone here sent it to me, and. It, Oh, no, no, someone else sent it. But he was saying how, what a tough program 12-step programs are. Because it does take step one as an absolute step. I can't even successfully lust with my wife. I'm not allergic to sex with my wife. I'm allergic to lust with my wife. So excuse me for interrupting Nora, but it's going to be very painful for you and for others to still think they're in control of their lusting or not. They did not begin this book with a doctor's opinion for no reason at all. For Bill W., who is the egoist of egos, who talked about it, especially in the 1950s, to let something come before his story because a whole program falls apart if we cannot acknowledge we are without power. Okay, next question. Mike, it's so good to see you. My God, I love you. Hey, man, haven't seen Mike in
3: ages. Go ahead, Jan.
5: Thank you, Daniel, and thank you, Harvey. Um, I so in in my uh, connecting step six and tradition six. So step six points us towards the defects of character. Tradition six uh, touches on uh, like defects with the you know like obsession of money or property or prestige. Um, would you? would you think like, because they, I mean, there's a lot of defects that they could mention that could get in the way of, uh, you know, our primary purpose, but problems of money, property, and prestige. Do you think that is like maybe core defects and other things are birthed out of it? Because I'm wondering why those three are the ones that are mentioned. Uh, Cause there's a bunch of, like, in my experience, there's a few other aspects or defects that come into play when, you know, it comes about gets to the politics, uh, into politics of groups and things like that?
1: I think they actually say it's really fear. That behind all these things is that word fear. Fear of not getting what I want or fear of losing what I have. Now, a lot of these concepts are just perceptions anyway. Like, what is prestige? (laughs) What is security? (laughs) Well, if security and prestige meant something, you wouldn't see all these gorgeous actresses and handsome actors and famous football players and all. They're so loaded with money and women and charm and this, and they're some of the most unhappy people you meet. Now, these are natural instincts that have gone haywire. If I did not have greed, I'd probably never read any more books. (laughs) If we didn't have an instinct for sex, the world would stop. (laughs) These are just good old natural instincts for survival, for a Alcoholic, sexaholic, etc. It's self-will run riot. Now, I'm very grateful for Nora that she brought that up because it's one of the most difficult concepts I deal with when people say, I'm not ready and I'm doing this and I still want to do that. They, You'll never hear them use the word I'm powerless. Even though this happened to me a month ago, I'm still doing it. The word powerlessness gets eliminated. Because our ego, that prestige, wants to help us think we're in control.
3: Next question. Okay there's a question in the chat. I find a personal dilemma in these steps that I wonder if others, I find a personal dilemma in these steps that I wonder if others struggle similarly. Humbly asking God to remove our shortcomings. I can do this, but there is a piece of this addiction that I enjoy. That's the part that keeps me addicted. So how can I humbly, honestly ask God to take something away from me That I don't want to want, but I still want anyways. If you wanted it
1: that bad, what the hell are you doing on this meeting? What a waste of time. No, it's our fooling ourselves. No one gets here by accident. Don't fool yourself. There are these test questions for alcoholism, and it's a quick test thing. And one of the few questions is, are you presently at or have you ever been at an AA meeting? (laughs) Statistically, if you're presently at an AA meeting or ever been to one, that's a good sign (laughs) you might be an alcoholic see we think we're still in control how could a man like me who hopefully had some degree of intelligence which never helped me kept giving my wife venereal diseases I'm a man of science how could I keep giving my wife venereal diseases I was without power. And the 12 and 12 talks a lot about no one really wants to admit they're defected. Men especially rather think of themselves as bad than defected. It's part of our macho culture. No, I'm defective. I cannot lust like other men can lust. I cannot drink alcohol like other men can drink alcohol. Very simple. Runs in my family. I'm genetically susceptible. Next question, and then we'll close and leave it open for another 30 minutes of questions if you need.
3: Yeah, go ahead Juan. Thank you,
6: Daniel, and thank you Harvey for the the step work and and guiding us through. Um, I've just recently did my my step five with my sponsor before the meeting, um, and we went through all um, step six and seven but I realized that I keep adding defects to my list. Um, so I'm wondering if there comes a time where, uh, we stop adding these defects and we start realizing that we have more of the assets than the defects. Um, for me, it's painful and daunting to think, I know we have a 24 hour program, but to think that I'll be adding and adding and adding and not really, um, making progress towards the assets that I, Tribe in my list. So, do you have any experience on? I mean, is your list
1: full of assets more than defects? I don't call them character defects. Okay. I call them awakenings. Mm. They're painful at times, but I say thank you, God, for letting me see that part of me again. Not too long ago, it was about anger shooting out and what precipitates the anger. And after a while, you start seeing these as gifts, as awakenings, not as, oh, my God, I screwed up again. No, they're awakenings. And sometimes my best results have been when I said, Harvey, you're going to die with some of these anger outbursts. What can you do? And then, out of nowhere, a connection will come. The pattern will come. And the behavior gets less and less over the years, where it's so rare now, but still happens. And it's been a wonderful year because I'm powerless over political issues, and I have not watched purposely a a newscast, a talk show, or read a newspaper in what way over a year now. What freedom I'm having? This it had nothing to do with politics. It had to do with old patterns. Okay, uh, Daniel, can you take us out? For those who are in Europe and want to go to sleep, (laughs) or Israel.
3: Yeah, I'm going to take us out in the seventh step prayer. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Amen. So if there are any other questions, um, well, one second, one came in here.
1: But I'd like to do something before that because, and if I embarrass you, I'll make an amend. But, Mike, can you say hello to the group and share a little about your your life in essay?
6: yeah hi guys i'm mike recovering sexaholic glad i'm here sober today through god's grace new people sober since june 3rd of 84 and uh what a treat harvey to hear you again just wonderful and uh good to see some other familiar faces and some names that i recognize as well um it's uh good to hear about six and seven but i have to be honest the thing that struck me most today was the stuff about step one, you know, what a great reminder about powerlessness because, you know, sometimes I get into it with my sponsees and and, you know, we got guys they want to keep sponsoring people after they've relapsed. We we got guys who you know, want to talk that tell me they're on step four and they've been sober for 34 minutes. And I'm like, guys, you got let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> you know, who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one. Um, but those of us who do get this get get this uh, incredible gift of sobriety. And uh you know, it's been a crazy couple of years with all the COVID. Two years ago, I'd never heard of Zoom. Uh, today, I go to almost all my meetings on Zoom. It's just a different world. And uh, obviously, there's been some hardships in it. And I'm sorry to hear that you got COVID, Harvey, but I'm glad to see that uh, it obviously didn't kill you.
2: So that's
1: good. <laughs>
6: And uh, um, you know, for me it's been interesting. I spent so much more time at home and therefore so much more time with my wife. And although there have been the occasional flashes, like you like you mentioned, Harv, um God, we've never gotten along better. In fact, I, I sent her a Valentine's Day card yesterday and and I said, you know, we've had a lot of joy and, and gratitude and love, but we seem to also have some peace. <laughs> and that's a miracle. Um so yeah you know uh, I, I know it's a trite saying uh, you know don't leave before the miracle happens, but I think it's it's a good saying um, uh, the fact that I'm sexually sober, the fact that I'm so also like Harvey sober from alcohol um, honestly, the fact that that my wife stayed with me through the through the lust and the alcohol and the rage in my case, you know because I used to be a real screamer and and you know uh, I literally. I literally keep a page every day. How many times do I even start to raise my voice? And just by keeping that page and and letting it go, not trying to control it, but just by keeping note of it, I've decreased my yelling by, I don't know, I don't want to overstate it, but I'd say at least 85, if not 90%, you know, and so... Things do get better and they sometimes it seems like they get worse for a while. But an old guy in the program told me once, well, sometimes things get better and sometimes they don't. But if you keep doing what you're doing a day at a time, you'll keep getting better, whether things do or not. You know, Harvey got COVID. Things weren't getting better, but here he is carrying the message. He's still getting better. Um, so I don't want to monopolize, but um, uh, and I got a, actually got a, a walking date with my wife in a few minutes, but it was awful nice of you to ask me to say something, Harve, and uh You said something to me a few minutes earlier, which uh, I say back to you, which is that I love you very much and uh, all of you. And thanks, thanks for letting me share.
1: Mike and I have been holding each other's hands for 37 years.
6: 37 years, 37 years. Let's get at least another 27, Harvey. (laughs) One day at a time.
1: (laughs) And um, it's possible. It's possible. Oh, uh, want to mention a word, as y'all said, someone said, it's that word struggle. The minute someone uses that word struggle, they've lost. Yes, the disease is bigger than we are. So the minute I fight it, I have to lose. And I put my foot in my mouth during that first week workshop when I said, I don't think it was in the first 164 pages, the word struggle. So naturally, someone I care about wrote me about how it's there like 16 times in the big book and all. And you know, my ego said, the hell with this, I'll prove him wrong. (laughs) But number one, in the first hundred and sixty-four pages, it uses it three times. The word struggle, two. Are related to the family has nothing to do with the alcoholic. And the one time it refers to the alcoholic is this tiny little sentence we do not struggle, period. Now, why do I always lose if I struggle? This my disease shares my IQ. It's as bright as I am, or as dumb as I am. <laughs> but let's say it's as bright as I am. The difference, though, is it always lies. And it usually lies through truth. So it always wins. It's as smart as I am. Plus it lies. So it's going to win every time. How does it lie with truth? Oh, Harvey, how can taking that second look hurt you? Come on. You're a grown up now. You've been in the program a long time. You can take that second look. Except not do hardly anything. And it's right. So if I took the second look and then nothing happens bad, I'll say, oh, now I could take two looks. (laughs) And then eventually three. And before I know it, it has lied me right back to where I used to be. So when you hear that word, coming out of your mouth. Don't beat yourself up. Just realize you're not ready to surrender. Period. Dove, I hope you're healing well. Welcome. Gene, so many people I love Here, I can't mention everyone, but this is my family. What do we call each other? My sponsor taught me. We're not friends. I don't socialize with you. I don't go having coffee much or meet. We're spiritual friends. No other words quite express it. We're connected through our imperfections. We have shared with each other things we have never shared with people before. We are one.
3: Next question. So we have a question in the chat asking if it's denial that is the root of our uh, not being willing to truly surrender the addiction. How much of it is denial related to you saying uh, that um, the word powerlessness isn't being used when, you know, a month later it's still acting out? How much is denial connected to that?
1: Denial is the core of that first paragraph in Chapter 5 where it says, basically, you have to get this program. It's so simple, there's no way you can't get it unless you're dishonest with yourself. Denial is self-dishonesty. I can handle that second look. It won't hurt me. And yet... You might have just come out of a doctor's office where you had to get penicillin for venereal diseases or something. It's not going to hurt me this time. So it's self-lying, which we're real good at. I'm a liar, a thief, and a cheat. If I'm not in recovery, that's what I do. Next question.
3: Someone asked if entitlement was a big part of that as well.
1: Entitlement? Entitlement to me is just a fancy way of saying I'm all there is. The ego. Everything's owed to me. I want what I want when I want it. The other part is the reverse of entitlement, where the ego is just as strong, where it says, um, I'm the worst, so I have to take crap off of everybody. Big, big addictions in this these groups of codependency, unbelievable. And so much of it's related to the actual heterosexual addiction towards women. Men become, I can't talk for women, but men become just as addicted to their wives. Instead of maybe just for sex, it's to please them do this, do that, I have to be this, they become God. This disease is very similar also to eating disorder where you either can have anorexia or you can have bulimia. Many people in this program, like me, were bulimic. We had to overdo it with sex and lust. But there are many people in this program who never had sex with their own wives. They go totally anorexic. Which is... This is only my opinion. Not truth, but my opinion. (laughs) Same coin, different side. This program is not about being in a monastery. It is not a monastic order. I once gave a talk in San Antonio to the international conference a few years ago, and I shocked. I really shocked the audience. I said, I'm going to tell you all the myths of this program. This program makes believe there must have been 400 people in the audience, let's say, makes believe that almost no one's having sex in this audience. I said, most people in this audience are married and they're having sex. A lot of myths happen in recovery. Another myth is Oh, anything goes in your marriage bed. Well, I wish you well. But if you're lusting in your marriage bed, it's going to show up in other ways. Two, we're not allergic to sex in marriage. We're allergic to lust in general, wherever it shows its head. Next question, please.
3: Go ahead, Gene. Harvey, Connie is walking through the house. Gene, what was that you were singing? You, you had me singing at the top of my lungs here today, Harvey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, how's Nancy doing, Harvey?
1: Gene, terrific. She never got COVID from me. Unbelievable. Thank goodness.
3: I I love the music today. Uh, Brought tears to my eyes. I I couldn't help but singing. I saw other people wiping their eyes. Uh, You're absolutely right. It it, it really gets to our heart. It goes right to the heart. Thank you for doing that today.
1: Yeah, and Gene... I'm really, the word try doesn't work. But I'm really becoming more conscious of trying to have God in my heart than in my head. And it's taking a whole lot of work. Mm -hmm. And this is just my own personal story. But the way I'm doing it Is a very uncomfortable way for me. I'm saying there is no God. Mm -hmm. That it's all a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And the more I say it's all a fairy tale, the more I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. this God is beyond time and place, Mm -hmm. who is so beyond anything I could comprehend. That even though it's limited lists, it can limit and go and be in me too. We have this habit, and, and I do it all the time. It's part of my routine after a meeting. I do the Our Father. That's how I was brought up in Nashville, AA and SA. Mm-hmm. And yet, even there, We say, who is in heaven? Mm. No. There is nothing else. It's in you. It's in me. It's in the Zoom. My God, Zoom. Can you imagine if we could see hundreds of people simultaneously? What a higher power who's out of time and space. (laughs) This, the big Zoom screen, that must be there. <laughs> no, I can't comprehend. I need to go in, not out. So I want to end this kind of little discussion with what you've heard me say time again over the past few years for my 11th step that God is an ocean and I'm a wave. I am purely made of ocean, but I'm not the ocean. And you're another wave. You are purely made of ocean, but you're not the ocean. You're a wave. When I look at your wave, it might be higher than mine or have a different shape to it but if I look down I see it's totally made of ocean and when I look down at myself I'm totally made of ocean and where did these waves go they go back into ocean amazing for me in my 11th step and next week We're going to do something for the eighth tradition, eighth step, which is going to be about amends, hopefully, to ourselves.
3: We have three more questions. Do you think we can try and squeeze them in? Yes. So let's start with Dennis, um, who's got his hand up, and then the other two are in the chat.
5: Thank you, Harvey. And I just want to thank God that these are getting better and better every week. This time through my fourth step, I'm right in the middle of it. I really see one of my defects is that I really have this victim mentality where people that get close to me, I, I use them as pawns, unfortunately, to where I can be the victim and they can be the perpetrator. Do you have any, I would just love some experience, strength, and hope on that. Um, I haven't sat down with my sponsor yet for the fifth step, but I would love to hear your experience, strength, and hope if that applies to this.
1: I love this because the word was omitted again. You're powerless over this. You're not choosing to be this way. You are without power. We we so believe we're in control of the way our patterns in life have been. And if I just work harder at it, I can change. No, I'm powerless over pushing people away from me. I'm powerless. The more I accept I'm powerless, the less it's happening. So I want to give you an example. We lived in a retirement community. They had a big Valentine celebration last night. And I sat with a group of people. If it were left up to me, I'd sit just with my wife. (laughs) And we sat with this group. And after about an hour and 15 minutes, I said, I love y'all, but I'm a social isolate. About an hour and 15 minutes is all I can handle. See you tomorrow. I say this. All the time with people we eat. We eat with people all the time here. We have like community eating. Do you know what? No one's rejected me. I've had more friends here than I've had in my lifetime. I just tell them my truth. I'm powerless over sitting more than an hour, hour, 15 minutes
3: with people.
1: It won't matter how much I care about a sponsee and we go out for coffee. If we do, I'm looking at my clock after about an hour. <laughs> and yet I'm doing better. How do I know I'm doing better? This my sponsor taught me this. Never compare your insides with someone else's outsides. Only compare you with where you were a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. Compare you with you and you'll see the miracle. Just don't compare you to someone else. Where was I 37 Eight years ago, yeah, I'd spend time with you. But I'd need a payoff of sex afterwards. Once I started ha- stopped having sex with people outside my marriage, I had no interest in people. Why waste my time? It took me years and years in recovery to get social tools to to, you know, I'm a love cripple. And the more I accept this song from last week, which I cried all week over, I am what I am. And somehow, the sixth Seventh step takes care of it. If you don't beat yourself up over it and you learn to get a sense of humor. Oh, there I go again, pushing people away. <laughs> One of my sons called this morning. I couldn't wait to get off the phone. I had to do all I could to make conversation but at least I'm becoming aware of it. Okay, we've got time for one more question.
3: So just some practical stuff around step six. Um, someone who has come now, and they understand the first five steps felt like they had a lot more substance. In eight to 12, there's a lot of action, but six and seven seem so quick. That I feel like I'm missing something, um, and the second question is also around that—that that, that that pause in step six, but being ready to remove them. If there's anything that you can say about that whole, you know, seemingly fast steps, but giving them more meaning.
1: Actually, it, there are quite a few pages about six and seven in the twelve and twelve. Um. The 12 and 12 was written about what? Uh, 1950 to uh, 39,40, about 12 years later. And Bill had 12 more years of recovery. And things he started seeing more. So just this it's short. But boy, it's so powerful even in the AA book, Rem- it doesn't say remove all my defects. It says remove those defects that interfere with my usefulness to others. Can you imagine if my defect of being a showman, of being loud, of being histrionic at times, if I didn't have that, in 10 minutes you'd be asleep. No? Now, when I do it with my children at home and they start walking backwards out of the room, <laughs> it doesn't fit well there. <laughs> By the way, I want to end by saying what a great honor I felt with Mike here. For those of you who have not listened to his talks, I highly recommend it. I can't listen to his talks without crying. They go right to my heart. And I want to tell you a very intimate story. I get lots of ugly emails over the years. People will hate me in the program. I represent to them all kinds of things. I don't even know them. I get these horrible emails. And once I got an email that was very frightening. And it had to do with my, against me and my religion. And I called Mike up, very upset. This goes back decades ago. And Mike's a tough guy from Chicago. And he's not my religion. And he said, when I told him and he said, Harvey, don't worry if anyone starts up with you, I and my family will protect you. I had never heard that from anyone in my life. It healed an enormous hole inside of me. Hold my hand and we're halfway there. We hold each other's hands. We do not have to do this alone anymore. Love y'all. Be well.